Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hey, welcome back to Live Mike. There's a lot happening right now. We are moments away from hearing from President Joe Biden as he presents details uh, surrounding his uh, American jobs plan, this infrastructure plan, uh, the, the price tag uh, estimated to be about $2.25 trillion dollars. We'll get into uh, what he has to say. And when the president comes to the microphone, we will uh, break for that and listen to what he has to say. Uh, But before that, uh, I want to have a conversation with a good friend of mine, former Utah State Senator uh, Scott Howell, a frequent guest of this program and others, uh, and always, uh, always ready to to offer insight and expertise. Uh, Scott, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, thank you, Lee. I, uh, I'm doing great, and thank you for the invitation. And again, congratulations to you on the new opportunity. We need great people back in Washington, D.C., and you'll be filling that bill. So <clears throat> thank well, you. Well, thank you, sir. It's a, a tough move. I'll, I'll miss these frequent conversations with you, but let's uh, uh, let's not let the, the phones go silent. Let's stay in touch here <laughs> as I move on, and I'll certainly miss these uh, few uh, hours each afternoon I get to spend here with the, the listeners. Uh, as, you, as you know, better than most of us, uh, the president ha- has a plan. Uh, it deals with jobs. It deals with infrastructure. It also happens to have a pretty hefty price tag, $2.25 trillion. Uh, is it wise for us to be spending this amount of money right now? Well, Lee, that is a great question. And um, I've always been one of those fiscal hawks that said we should pay down the, the debt when I ran for the U.S. Senate twice and said I would take the active lead on that. And I don't, for me, as a just a normal human being, you know, we can't overexceed our debt limits and we have to pay them off. I think, though, um, while we've had the American Rescue Plan, and that's, that's changing the whole course of the pandem- pandemic and it's uh, delivering this relief for working families, uh, it's time that we take uh, a moment and reimagine and rebuild a new economy. And the American Jobs Plan, as you uh, talked about, is an investment in America that will create millions of good jobs. It uh, is meant to rebuild our country's infrastructure and position uh, the United States to compete against China. And that theme of competing against China, we've heard from our own great senator, Mitt Romney, on many occasions. I think public domestic investment is uh, and, our, and our share of the economy has fallen by more than 40 percent since the 1960s. And the American Job Act, we'll hear about from the president shortly, uh, is a way we have to um, invest uh, and build our interstate highways. And, and it's, um, 
it's similar to what happened with the FDRs and the New Deal, but I often liken it more to the space race with President Kennedy. And so, you know, we're 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 the we're the wealthiest country in the world, yet we rank 13th when it comes to overall quality for infrastructure. And so I think we, when we look at the plan, it's fixing highways, it's rebuilding bridges, upgrading ports, airports, and transit systems. It's delivering clean water, uh, and it's making sure that everyone has access to the high-speed network. It's building to preserve and retrofit more than 2 million homes and commercial buildings um, and school facilities and child care facilities that uh, we really haven't paid attention to for years. But back to your, your premise there, $2 trillion is a lot. So the question is, how do we pay for this? And it, it's, a, it's not a political question in my mind. It's not Democrat or Republican. It's just good business and economics. And I think the plan that the, yeah. the president has put forward about uh, the creation of uh, increased tax on corporations, uh, as well as individuals that make over $400,000 a year annually. I hope it'll all come together. But for me, uh, Lee, I think the jobs that it will create in that infrastructure are are ways that uh, once we get people back into the uh, working, that they will pay taxes on it. But don't make any mistake about it. You have to have a, a little bit of jawness looking at the price tag. And then on the other hand, you have to look at China. I heard uh, Senator Romney yesterday give a global uh, commentary. I, in fact, KSL carried it live. Sure. You guys sponsored that. It was amazing uh, about what they're doing throughout the world by just shelling out money and giving uh, uh, things to other countries and you know, we've got to have a strong military. We have to have a strong infrastructure that we can be competing. Do you, Scott, when when priorities are looked at and decisions are made in the in the White House right now on on this proposal, do you, is it is it infrastructure first? Is infrastructure the top priority, uh, or is it the creation of jobs? I, and I, and I, know know the, the, I know the I know the attempt here, and and certainly the the talking points and such are, are going to uh, claim that there's a uh, you know a wonderfully positive balance. But is there one priority there that that, that shines above the other? You know, um, w- w- when we were briefed on this um, early <clears throat> yesterday, um, and then again this morning, the the thing that kept the theme of the conversation kept going back to the uh, a healthy economy is really based upon the jobs and the, the people and the dignity of work, people getting back into jobs who mm-hmm. have, for one reason or another, have lost that. So I, I think they're equal in, in importance, but I, I believe from what I've seen is that the jobs creation is really the impetus to drive all of this. Uh, a healthy economy, and and for me, being in technology my entire life, there's a there's a whole portion in there about broadband. And when you look at broadband that we haven't had on the Navajo Nation, we haven't had in southern Utah, and to degree up in northern Utah, we've got to allow every rural community. And this is what I like about Governor Cox is that he's making that effort to make sure our rural communities are part of what we all enjoy on the Wasatch Front. Yeah. Uh, of this $2.25 trillion uh, estimated price tag, uh, 
another estimate there within that amount, $174 billion to be spent uh, uh, towards uh, electric automobiles. Is Does that bring us into the realm of, of overly political? And uh, will that be, do you imagine... Uh, will that be one of the items that in the uh, negotiation process when this ultimately faces the United States Senate uh, and some things are going to have to change a bit? Uh, will will we do you think we'll uh, lose some of these uh, green energy and electric car type uh, add ons to this package? That is a great question, Lee, and, and pretty soon you'll be in a position where you can have a little influence <laughs> on that. By the way, I might be calling you real fast. <laughs> I'll be calling you now. Obviously, um, that is a great question. Um, we all know that during this pandemic, we have not had cleaner air in the state of Utah than the last year. I mean, and you look at what's happened. I'm looking out my uh, window right now out of my office, and I'm just seeing blue skies like I saw when I grew up here. I hope that the politics will stay out of this, uh, the green initiative. You know, clearly AOC is so far over on the left, and then you have people way far on the right. This is where I think you and and the senators need to come together and have a rational conversation. You know, I think vehicles make all the sense in the world. I think they have to come down in price. We've got to have increased manufacturing. We've got to make sure we have terminals that people can recharge their vehicles, both in their residence as well as within the, uh, the infrastructure of the country. But I hope uh, it'd be my great uh, vision and, and prayers that they would come together and not make it political. Because we've seen the benefit of just even cutting back on driving the last year here. And e-vehicles e- make all the sense in the world to me. They really do. So I hope that they'll put partisan politics aside and agree on it, but mm. who knows, right? All right? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I start officially uh, next Wednesday. You give me a call. I'll tell you what I'm seeing. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And, you know, one other thing about the plan real quick. Yeah, yeah. The investment in R&D and the technologies of the future. I'll tell you, I, I am so thrilled when I read that uh, they will aggressively invest in research and development. And I think – uh, calling on Congress to make a $180 billion investment in that was, is going to take a lot of leadership. But what we can do is um, we can have the critical technologies. We can upgrade all the uh, America's research infrastructure. And um, I hope that we'll be a leader uh, where the University of Utah and other great research universities can participate in that. It's almost like a new dawning. You know, I think about Piper uh, when when I read this stuff and my grandkids, you know, just think about what world your daughter's going to be in, Lee, when we have e-vehicles and all groceries are delivered. We tell them how we used to drive to the store to get this and that and how we used to have everything here. They're going to say, and and you had a rotary phone, too. What's wrong with you guys? Uh So I'm excited. Very good. Uh, well, listen, Scott, I'm grateful to you for your, your insight here and your analysis. And uh, we've got to take a break right now. I could chat with you all afternoon, uh, but we'll step aside. Scott Howell, my guest, thanks again for your time. Uh, quick break. When we return after the newscast, uh, we expect to hear from uh, President Joe Biden as he from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, delivers details on this new jobs package and infrastructure package, again, with a price tag, $2.25 trillion. That's next on Live Mike. 
Emily Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.